try to condense today. It's hard for me to condense, but I want to get some truth across to you today. There's a lot of disappointment, disillusionment, and therefore discouragement in the body of Christ. There's, there's questioning of our faith to believe him and questioning of his faithfulness. And questioning our faith is not necessarily a bad thing because that question can be answered simply if we apply ourselves to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here's what Jesus said about faith. And we hear all kinds of definitions and all kinds of expositions about faith. But here's what Christ said. He said, as your faith be, so be it unto you. This is not a doctrine of a Pentecostal organization. As your faith be, so be it unto you. And he said that that faith must pre-exist prayer. It's not something you do after you pray. It's something that is developed in you before you pray. So that when you pray, faith is released. Whatsoever Jesus said. Everybody say Jesus said. Now for time's sake, I'm not going to eat scripture. However, I can verify it. Amen. To you. And if you read the Bible, just read the Bible for homework. The New Testament. The four Gospels, just four Gospels for homework. Amen. You run across all of this. Jesus said, as your faith be, so be it unto you. And he said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he said, when he said, I love to say what he says, because of the, the disillusionment and discouragement in so many Christian circles today, so little of the manifest power of God. We've got bigger churches than we've ever had, better, uh, better uh, theologically equipped preachers. I just said on a radio broadcast, I talked about Uncle Bud Robinson. He came out of the hills of, of West Virginia. He didn't have a formal education nor a biblical uh, degree in, in some Bible college, but he had the fire of God in a pure heart. His motive for preaching was to see souls swept into the kingdom of God. Amen. And he preached the gospel uh, with all of those colloquialisms that come from the mountains. I'm from Kentucky, so I've been transplanted down here when I was 14 months old. But my roots go back to the hills of Kentucky. And occasionally that's going to come out. Amen. <laughs> because well, my family uh, was like that. So if you hear me say far instead of fire, uh, you'll know where it came from. Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's the mountain type of, of uh, colloquialism yeah, to, to that area. Anyway, Uncle Bud Robinson also had a lisp. He spoke with a lisp, so his delivery wasn't eloquent. It was funny. But he had the pure heart for God and the touch of God on his life. And people would literally come to those outdoor meetings to hear Uncle Bud preach because it was comical they would grin and some of the high class people one time it was recorded the whole back row was full of people that that were wearing uh, fancy clothes they had come from some fancy church to make fun of him and they sat on the back row and, and did you know everybody in church is not saved 
You realize that? Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, there's an assumption and a presumption on their part. And that's why we have a challenge here from time to time to make sure that you're just not a churchgoer, that you know Jesus Christ personally, that you're saved, blood-bought, blood-washed, and drawn by the Holy Spirit. Anyway, they came to make fun of him. <laughs> and, and they sat on the back row. And as he preached, the convicting power of God came down on that audience. In spite of his lisp, in spite of his lack of biblical education, in spite of his lack of formal education, God moved. And that whole back row without one person might have been a deacon in my wife's dream and it was a spiritual dream because it gave us the courage to go see what we could do for the Lord and we didn't know what he could do with us or what we could do for him but we said if we can do anything to help get people out of that river that are going to die without help we're going to do what we can with what we got and that's all God is looking for that was 43 years ago amen it helped me to leave Tampa Electric and come to Tampa Florida amen and and take a church in Suffering Springs amen Sulphur Springs I tell you that's a tough neighborhood it was then it is now The dean of the the the, the counselor at uh, at junior high school called me in to discuss my my youngest son Matthew and, and she said where do you pastor I said I, I pastor in Sulphur Springs she said well I also work with the with the uh, the Department of Corrections and and uh, uh, and as a psychologist and and a counselor here and she said uh, do you know that you're in a neighborhood where people are riding around with guns in their glove compartment and up under their seats and and uh, I said I know exactly uh, what you're talking about uh, we lived there and we ministered there for over 20 years and then went to embassy suites on the campus of the university of south florida for a, about a year and a half i guess and hauled hauled the, the the sound equipment in and hauled it back every sunday and god continued to bless and we thought it was time for us to go into just evangelism but god said no you come here but now it's time to move again but what i want to get across to you about faith today as we look forward in faith Jesus said, as your faith be, so be it unto you. That would explain why we see so little when we need so much. That would explain why so many huge congregations with huge facilities and yet see so little of what was happening under Uncle Bud Robinson's ministry in a brush arbor meeting or in an old tent outside because the touch of God is irreplaceable. There's no educational institution, Brother Hobbs, that can get you theologically trained enough to take the place of the move of God, the fire of God, and the convicting, convincing power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So we're, we're trying to get back to something instead of go on to something. There is nothing bigger or better, amen, than God being free to move among His people, for His people, and through His people to touch others. Glory be to God. So I'm grateful for a mantle. Hallelujah. God takes men from this earth. He never takes mantles. That's an important principle. And Elisha knew that. Elijah knew that. Elisha knew that. 
And Elisha said to Elijah, who had the mantle of God's anointing, it was representative figuratively of his anointing. And he said, I want a double portion of the anointing. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Not hard for God to give, but hard for man to qualify for. Because he said, you're going to have to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be, he's going to come for me. I know that as a prophet. Elijah said, he's going to come and get me. I'm not talking about the rapture, second coming. God is coming to get me. I don't know when it's going to occur, but I know that God is going to come and get me and take me up. And if you're with me, he was a servant. If you stay servant hearted and you're with me. When he comes, then you can have that request. You can have that anointing that is on me. So, so Elisha, have you ever heard that song, Me and my shadow? Everywhere I go, my shadow goes. Amen. He shadowed him. He wouldn't take his eyes off of him. He wouldn't go... 20 feet from him at any given time. At one point, Elijah said, you stay here, Elisha. I'm going across the river. He said, no, no, no. If you're going, I'm going. Because if he comes and gets you while we're apart, I'm going to miss that opportunity. See, God takes men. Elijah knew it. Elisha knew it. Men leave and go on to heaven, but mantles stay here. Somebody qualifies for a mantle. Somebody qualifies for the anointing. Can you say man? And you can't get it. It doesn't come boxed up when you graduate summa cum laude from a Bible college. I spoke at a graduating class at a, at a Bible college uh, here in the city. That they were, they were, it's not just a Bible college. It's a church that gave credit uh, at, like a Bible college did. Amen. And I remember saying to that graduating class of ministers-to-be, <laughs> some of you are graduating summa cum laude. All of you are graduating thank the good lord can you say man (laughs) hallelujah some of you at the top of your class and some of you just made it but all of you are graduating as far as your theological training is concerned but it takes more than theological training for this word this gospel did not come even though it's god's word and god's truth it never ever ever came in word only can you say man This gospel did not come with just the truth of the word. This, but it came in power. It came in power. It came in power. How many would love to go to the Holy Land and and see the very place where they believe Jesus was entombed to to act? I would love that. I mean, I'm not, I don't have to go to the Holy Land because when God's presence comes, we're on holy ground right here. Hallelujah. I, I don't know if you can grasp this today. You may have more of a sense of His presence in Israel, standing in those holy places, but His presence is not just in that place. His presence is in any place where He is exalted, where He is accepted, where He is, is, is acknowledged, and where we can sense Him. Hallelujah. So, but if we were there today, amen, there would be no more power present than there is right here, right now, in this place. For where two of you are gathered together, 
regardless of where you're meeting, there am I. There am I. Well, where is he, brother? Well, he's in me. And if you're a Christian, he's in you. Amen. He's with us because he's within us. And if two of us get together, there's a special manifestation of that presence of God that is with us today. This gospel never came in word only. It never came in word only. It never came in word only. But it came in power. It came in the Holy Ghost through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And therefore it came with much consolation. There's a difference when you agree and give mental assent to the word in your head. And you really believe it in your heart. Can you say man? It's when it drops from here to here that faith comes. Hallelujah. Because faith is not giving mental consent or mental assent to the word. It's not agreeing in your mind. It's knowing in your heart. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said it's not agreeing in your mind. It's knowing in your heart. Faith comes by hearing. It enters the ear. But it doesn't stay in the head. The Holy Spirit takes it from the head to the heart. Hallelujah. The heart of man. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord with all your head. With all of your positive thinking, with all of your positive confession, that's, that's a result of something occurring in the heart first. It's put into the heart, and then from the heart, back to the head. But it's got to get into your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. Commit your way unto Him. Trust also in Him. And He will bring it to pass. They that trust the Lord will be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about His people to deliver them. Can you say amen? As your faith be, so be it unto you. Some people go to church out of obligation. They feel like if I ever need a miracle, I need to be, you know, in church. I need to be counted as one of those. And thank God that people go to church. But you need to go to church not out of responsibility, not out of obligation, but because you're hungry. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall what? They shall be counted in the number of consistent churchgoers. No, they shall be filled. And they will be filled with what? The Spirit will, initially, they'll be filled with righteousness so they can be filled with the Spirit. What is the hunger for? Righteousness. What are we seeking the Lord for before healing, before help, before all those other things that we may need? Amen. Seek the Lord till He come and rain healing, rain health, rain money, rain whatever your need is. Seek the Lord until He come and rain righteousness on you. Can you say amen? Because when you're right with God, when you're right with God, when there's nothing between you and God that would keep Him from coming behind the veil and coming to you in the time of your need... There's nothing wrong. 
This congregation is so well trained. I love you guys. Amen. There's nothing wrong with getting right with God. You see, there's so many churchy people that don't see the need to get right with God. When you stand, pray, and forgive. Can't be right with God until you forgive. I can't be right with God until I forgive. So it's so easy to bypass these matters of the heart and just go to how to conquer the devil, go to a spiritual warfare uh, seminar and learn what kind of authority you have. Listen, until you bow to the Lordship of Jesus, you can't use spiritual authority over the enemy. It doesn't start with armor. It starts with submission. It doesn't start with the word as a sword. It starts with submission. It doesn't start with faith as a shield. It starts with submission. It doesn't start with your authority over the devil. It starts with God's authority over you. That's why Finney said, revival is nothing more. He simplified the formula, and there's thousands of formulas out there. He said it's nothing more than a new, fresh, total commitment to a life of obedience. Why callest thou me, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You will struggle with the flesh. And that's a good battle to be involved in. Because if you're not fighting with your flesh, your flesh has already conquered you. Amen. Amen. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Crucify the flesh with the lust thereof. It's called taking up your cross. That's what he meant. Oh, it's not getting the poor old me's because at work they call you Holy Joe. Joe, can you say amen? There used to be a Satanist where I worked. I was in... I was in a, bivocational for about 12 years uh, out of the out of the 43 and uh, and I would pull my car into the parking lot by a car that was black and it had you know he, he was one of those goth guys and he had satanic symbols on his car and one big bumper sticker always got my attention when I drove in and said it and because it said Lord it said Lord deliver me from your people <laughs> your people I'm not one of them. But you know something? I wasn't intimidated by that. That didn't bother me at all. In fact, I looked for his car so I could park by it. Amen. Amen. I want him to know if you're going to work here, you're going to have to work by one of them. And I'm unabashedly one of them. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's God's power unto salvation. There's so much depression. When we get open and honest, that's why I went to the Psalms when I was in, in, the, in that deep valley that I went through with the nervous exhaustion. I wasn't supposed to have nervous exhaustion. I'm not only just a Christian, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wasn't supposed to fall into the trap. And I remember distinctly wondering, how long, O oh Lord? I related with David when he was give out and seemingly wanting to give up. He didn't want to give up trusting in God. He just wanted to get out of the pressure. 
that he was under the political pressure, the social pressure, the, the emotional pressure that he was under. And he cried out in honesty, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away to the wilderness and be at rest and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Jeremiah, the great prophet of old, he said, I wish I had a house so deep in the wilderness that no one could use their... I'm going to get modern on you so you can get... No one could use GPS to find me. Can you say, man, the satellite can't even find me. I want to get where people can't come. The only person who could find me is somebody that got lost out there in the wilderness and stumbled on my house. I could live out there and get away from the pressure. So if you think that there's not going to be pressure, you're wrong. Christ said, in this world you shall have thelpsis. Tribulation, it's interpreted. And the Greek word means anguish and pressure. And everybody's face just cast down. He said, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. The pressure is going to come. But I went before you. Amen. I went before you. And I will lead you through all those pressures. And all those situations. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. But if it's not a faith... If it's not a faith, if someone is so into their dogma and their doctrine, they can't do anything or say anything that would cause us to be strengthened in our faith in God. It's sin. It's not just that we're off-center. You put it real good on the website. A quote from that famous preacher. Forget his name. Do you remember his name? Well, it was me. I just thought I'd tell you. Amen. Don't forget it again. If you're not cross-centered, you're off-centered. And that's why the Apostle Paul, because I hear so much preaching. But if Paul was preaching today in our culture in the 21st century, here's what he would begin his statement with. I don't want... To know anything among you. I don't want to hear no more about Trump. I don't want to hear no more about Hillary. I don't want to hear about what is culturally relevant. I don't want to hear what Sister Hoopendicker did last week. And she's still singing in the choir. Can you say amen? Amen? I don't want to hear about the Buccaneers. Amen? I don't want to hear what's going on in Hollywood. I was standing in a line at Publix, and it was a long line, and, and they had to check a price on something. And the lady, when I got up there, she was so gracious, because I'm standing there looking at all these periodicals. You know, who's breaking up, and, and who's making up, and who's sick, and who's dying, and, and, and all this big mess out in Hollywood. And it's on those periodicals sitting there, and I'm looking, to, you know, I'm looking at all of that. And, and the young lady said, sir, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. Uh, I said, that's okay. I was just thanking the Lord that I'm not rich and famous. I, I did. 
I said, I was just reading about all these rich and famous people and what a mess their lives are. And I'm just so grateful that I'm poor and unknown. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But I have Christ. Oh, oh, friend of mine. The Bible said, don't let your heart envy sinners. Don't look at nobody that's prospering that doesn't know Jesus and think if I look like they look, and if I had what they had, I would be happy. No, you wouldn't. They're not happy. Amen. But happy is the man that has the Lord God of Jacob for his help. Can you say amen? And happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. And in the Christian community, happiness is not based on happenings. It's knowing God is going to help you no matter what happens. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo! So I'm happy today. The Bible said that's the way to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with an attitude, with gladness, all ye lands. Henry's gates, with gratitude. No matter what happens, He's there to help you. Call on me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say, man, if you have a thankful heart. If you have a thankful heart. If you have a thankful heart in everything. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hallelujah. You can't get this approach to Him begins with an attitude of wanting to serve Him with gladness. Let it be a joy and not a job. I burned out, literally, because it became a job instead of a joy. And I was so glad. I was meet, I've been meeting with preachers for 10 years with all pro pastors, and someday I'm going to bring the, the, the head of that here. You'll love him. He's a humble, pure-hearted, sincere man, Baptist. Amen. He got fooled around and seeking God and got filled with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Oh, boy. Yeah, they... Hallelujah. Hey, trying to get preachers together out of all denominations to pray for revival, and it's kind of like herding cats. Amen. Hallelujah. But when we come together... Amen. And we believe God. And I'm meeting with people that don't have our doctrinal point of view. But they're not criticizing it because they know me. And they know I'm real. And they know that I love God. And they know that I didn't eat a big burrito uh, last night. That's why I'm saying something funny today that they don't understand. They believe what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. And what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I pray I've had a part uh, in challenging people to pray more instead of just cram on Saturday night for a relevant message for Sunday morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. And God is moving. In fact, as one of these preachers from a traditional church, he said, I can't be still. I can't stand still behind the pulpit. He said, I get so filled with joy. I said, you are a dangerous man. <laughs> Amen. You're a dangerous preacher. Oh, yeah, the devil fears that. When I read a true story, 
Amen. It was a dead church. It was a Pentecostal church. But they were dead. There was no move of the Holy Spirit anymore. And the pastor was a tall man. And he walked. He had got a brand new belt. And he left his coat open to show off his new belt buckle. He was out in West Texas. And he had one of them big belt buckles with a steer on it. I mean, it stuck out. He was showing off, you know, his belt buckle on Sunday. Preachers have a problem with things like like that sometimes. Anyway, he, he came from behind the pulpit to make a point, caught the belt buckle on the side of the pulpit, and it threw him off balance, and he spun around like that and had to catch himself, and the whole church stood up and began to praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> they thought the Holy Ghost finally got a hold of our preacher. We've been praying for that for a long time. He's been so dry. He's been so dead, but look at him. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes people mistake some human thing for, for the power of God. They don't understand it. There is a reality here. And it's not just feeling. It's a result of an active faith that pursues righteousness. Hallelujah. But when a man's ways please the Lord, you talk about victory. You talk about victory with a capital V. When a man's ways please the Lord. Everybody say righteousness. It means being right, wise with God. When a man's ways please the Lord. Oh, oh quit focusing so much on defeating your enemy. Focus on pleasing your God. Hallelujah. Because if you submit yourself unto Him and resist the devil from that place of total surrender, total submission, the devil has no choice. The devil has no chance of overcoming you or overcoming me. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and the whole scenario changes. The devil is no longer coming against you. He will flee from you. The word flee is a strong word in the Greek. It literally means to run as in panic. One thing about the devil, he's a believer. He believes. Thou sayest there is one God, thou doest well. That's the truth. The devils believe that. And they tremble. This is a strong Greek word. Amen. They tremble. And it means to have the skin crawl. It means to have the hair stand up on end. Honey, that's a fear that your whole body, as well as your mind, is reacting to. If the devil is that intimidated and that fearful, that dreadful of God, and you're pleasing him, what more shall we say to these things, Paul said? This is the end of every single argument, every opposition. If God be for us. That's the issue. That's what is so crucial. People are trying to get victory by just believing without bowing. The Lord's Prayer doesn't start with believing Him for anything. It doesn't start with asking Him for anything. It starts with giving Him something. 
It starts acknowledging a relationship. Our father. Star Wars is getting their second edition going. And we're already talking about the force again. God is not the man upstairs, the force, the supreme being. He is the supreme being, but He is a person. He has character. He has personality. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he's even able to make his enemies be at peace with him. Does that mean the devil's going to lighten up? No. That means he knows the day he comes against you. Amen. If you keep your trust in God and you are right with God and you are submitted to God, that he cannot do what he would do. He is tethered. We talked about that last week. How many were not here last week? Let me bring you up to snuff and get on the page. Well, not that kind of snuff. My grandpa and my dad owned with my uncle a tire shop where they repaired tires that were flat. They vulcanized them. They put new tread on them, and they had a big steam uh, uh, it's all steam operated, hot work. They get so busy, someone would come in and steal peanuts out of the peanut jar. They would come in and open up and grab a, a, a knee-high orange and run off with it. And, and so they bought a junkyard dog. He had actually guarded a junk lot at night. That was his job. Somebody come in the junk lot, he's mine. There was a warning on it. He got so bad... That the people that, that owned him couldn't control him. They were afraid to get close to him. So my grandpa said, that's my dog. That's what I want. I want a junkyard dog. Amen. I ain't got time to shoot somebody. Let him bite somebody. So they put him on a chain. Big, heavy chain. And he was, oh man. He was so energetic. He, I don't know what he was, but he was huge, part mastiff, part some. He stood that high, and he was strong. My uncle was big around as he was tall, but he was heavy, way over 200 pounds. But he, he would grab him by that chain just to take him and chain him up, and, and the dog would just pull him like a rag doll. I never want to approach anybody walking a big German shepherd. Amen. Because if he wants to get loose, they ain't going to hold him. Some little 90-pound woman walking a big old German shepherd saying, Oh, he don't bite. Okay, he won't. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Junkyard dog. And we had a, a cat that was there hanging out, wild, feral cat that they were feeding because he was about, and he had fattened up, and that dog was on his territory. He didn't like that dog, and the dog evidently was my, my dog. Now, listen, I'm a, I love good, a good cat is a good friend. How many have a cat friend? Okay, just, you got a kitty cat, okay? It's, all, it's macho. I love, and the like I told him at the vet, we had my dog at the vet getting his shot, and, and there's an old cat that stays there, old cat, old poor old cat. Old cat come, look around the corner, and my dog saw that cat. Boy, it's just automatic. It's just, 
because when he was a puppy, a cat, a feral cat had kittens underneath our utility shed. And he went to investigate and stuck his nose under the shed. And Mama Cat swiped his nose and blood came out of his nose. And from that day to this, cats are his arch enemy. So when he saw that cat, I had to hold him back. Because he wanted to go over and say, hello. And no, he wanted to go over there and, you know, jump on the cat. Payback. He, I'm trying to get him sanctified. It's taking some time. Can you say, man? <laughs> He's living in a Christian home, but it hadn't rubbed off on him yet. So the lady said, does he like cats? And I said, he loves, he told me that he loves cats, but he didn't think he could eat a whole one. Anyway, we, that's just a veterinary joke. Brother Hobbs, it's good for you. That's good for you. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last week, I told this, but you that were not here, that cat would torment that dog. Because the cat knew something. The cat knew how long that leash was. And he knew right exactly where that chain, that heavy, it was a heavy chain and a big leather collar. He knew where that dog could go no further. And it emboldened that cat. And the cat would stand about six inches from where the cat knew, because the dog had run many times and had to stop right there. Had to stop right there. And the cat would get right there. And he would start tormenting that dog, daring that dog to come. And I remember the day that the dog forgot about the fact that he was tethered. He forgot that he was on a chain. And he got so angry at the cat would just do everything but, you know, turn around and do like that to him. I mean, I expected that to be. He just, he would make noises. He would hiss. He would bow up, you know, just to get a reaction from the dog. And the dog woke up from a dead sleep with that cat. I remember I was there and I was just watching. He woke up from a dead sleep with that cat making some kind of racket standing. That, and he, he saw him. He forgot that he was tethered. And he tore off running as if he didn't have a leash. He didn't have a collar. Didn't have a chain on him. And when he got to the end of the chain, the cat never moved. Because he knew. He knew he's limited. He doesn't have all power. He, he is tethered. And there is a point where he can get close to me, but he can't get me. And I know where it is. I know exactly. And he's about six inches. That's where he always stood. He had figured it out. <laughs> but the dog hadn't had forgotten that he was tethered. And when he ran full out, if he wasn't such a big dog, it would have broke his neck. But he was a big, muscular dog. And when he hit the end, that chain, like that. And it held. And his back feet went out from under him and went up in the air. And then the dog fell down flat on his back. Now, I don't know if a cat can smile or not. And I've never heard one laugh. But Sean, it looked to me like that cat was saying, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm serious. Because I got you, dog. I got you figured out. 
I know that you can't do what you want to do to me and I'm no longer afraid of you as long as I stay. As long as I stay. Come on, church. The devil is not... Oh, he is not what people have made him. He is a fallen angel. He's been divested of his power and his authority. And if you don't give place to him as a Christian, if you don't give place to him, He has no, zero authority over you. Can you say amen? And giving place to Him is not putting a pentagram in your house. It's not just bringing these icons in your house. Let me tell you what it is. The number one thing that gives place to the devil. Rebellion. In the Old Testament it's defined differently. Churchgoers. In rebellion. God says don't do it. They do it in the name of grace. It's not working. It's giving place to the devil. Their lives are being shipwrecked and devastated. And God's getting the blame for it. Why did God allow this? God is not allowing anything. Rebellion. Is as the sin of witchcraft. In your Bible. Abject rebellion. I baptized people in water. They went right back to sin. The New Testament talks about it this way. The dog. Has returned to his vomit. What happens. When the vessel. Has been delivered from demonic power. It is now. Needs to be filled. With God's presence. It's not enough. To get one time. Deliverance service. Delivered from the devil. If we're not going to get saved. And get right with God. Remember when the evil spirit was. Cast out of the demoniac. Of the Gadarenes. They wanted to stay in that region. They actually asked Christ. See, they're always under His authority. They asked Christ's permission. If we got to come out, let us stay in the region. Don't cast us out of this area. Let us at least go into those swine, those pigs. And He said, you know, that's a good place for demons. Not in people. They're supposed to be vessels for God to fill. He let them go into the pigs, and the pigs, filled with that demonic power, they ran headlong into the ocean and drowned. And guess what? In that region, all of those demons are now looking for a host. Looking for a host. Now, this is where it gets serious. I pray the prayer of faith every time I pray. I don't know. I can't pray a prayer of what ifs or maybes and, and, and I don't want to explain away what the Scripture's clear about. When I pray for anybody, I pray the prayer of faith because the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Glory be to God. Listen to me carefully. I went to the hospital called to pray a prayer of faith. A woman had attended our church. She wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. She didn't keep seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So she wanted to get into that spirit realm so bad, she started fooling around. And with spiritualists. 
took her daughter with her to those meetings where these people who they call it white magic or good it's all coming from one place her daughter became ill put her in the hospital she was not only physically ill she became mentally just like you couldn't communicate with her anymore she was always in a fog in the days and her mother had been to our church and she knew the power of god came in the services and she asked me to go pray I went in to pray for the daughter, and she, you see, when the, when the devil gets control of somebody, they do things that's against their character, their nature. There's a difference in oppression and possession. But I asked the nurse before I went in, because God checked me. I had a check, and I'm going to pray and take authority over the devil and believe God, and I had a check in my spirit. I asked the nurse, I said, what is, what is her diagnosis? I'm a minister. I'm a pastor. I've been asked to come and pray, and I want to know how to pray. What is her diagnosis? She said, we've run every test. The doctors have run tests. They have not come up with an answer. They don't know why she's in this state. Psychologists have come. Physiologists, the, the, the doctors, and, and the tests have been run, and they can't find any reason for this, this kind of zombie-like state she was in. I went in to pray for her, and I'm, I'm ready to do battle with the devil, and I know the power of the name of Jesus, and there's faith in my heart. And God said, don't pray for her. Don't pray. I cannot. And it wasn't because of his ability not being able. He has all power. He said, there's something in the way. There's something in the way. I began to call some people that knew the lady. And I said, what's going on here? God told me not to pray. I've never been told not to pray in all of my life. This is something brand new for me. God didn't want me to pray and nothing happened. And him get accused for unfaithfulness. There's a reason behind what's going on in the church world today. And after we had a conversation with people close to her, I found out they went to a spiritist church. They came under the influence of demonic stuff. They entertained that. And the daughter got affected by it. They went home one night and she was in that state. She's laying in a hospital and nobody knows what to do for her. I said, you know, this lady left our church. And she don't want nothing to do with me. I'm going to tell you something. If you start chumming with the devil, you ain't going to want to hang out with me. Amen. But I said, you tell her that the Lord checked me and told me not to pray. And now I know why. I said, tell that mama you've led your daughter into this thing. And you need to repent. And then we will pray that God will set her free. In other words, you get right with God. You renounce the hidden works of darkness. You submit yourself unto God. And then we'll resist the devil and see what happens. You see a lot of questions that come in your mind concerning faith and answered prayer. We need to take a look at ourselves and our circumstance and quit 
questioning and accusing God of unfaithfulness. His word is forever settled in heaven. He doesn't change it because of the unbelief that is so counter to everything that he's promised. Be followers of them who explain away. Explain away. Try to teach away the fact that there's so little answer prayer, so little deliverance, so little power anymore. Now be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I, I don't know about you, but if, 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 if the preacher's defeated, if his marriage is tore all to pieces, if he is in a mess, I don't want to go to that church and hear him make excuses for God. Come on, I don't go there. Amen. I want an example to the flock. I don't want to just hear why God doesn't do it. I want to see God doing it. Remember the righteous brothers? They were not Christian singers. They had a backup band. They had a backup band. And one of the members in the backup band got gloriously saved. Gloriously saved. I mean, he got saved because someone shared Christ with him on the road. And he knew the lifestyle of rock stars and the drugs and the alcohol and the one-night stands. And, and he said, as a Christian, isn't that amazing when you get really saved? As a Christian, I can't keep living like this. And he quit the band. He gave up the money and gave up all the temporal satisfying Tentilations of sin and decided to go to church to learn more about Jesus. But before he could get in a church, he was reading the Bible. And as he read the Bible, he saw a powerful God. As he read the Bible, he saw a mighty God. As he read the Bible, he saw a prayer answering God. As he read the Bible, he found a Jesus that had all power over all the power of the enemy. As he read the Bible, he said, God heals the sick. As he read the Bible, he said, devils are cast out in the name of Jesus. As he read the Bible, before anybody explained it all away or apologized for God ever saying it, he read it and believed it. He got back to his hometown. He went down to the phone book and found a church. Big church in town. Went to church. Had come from Holland by plane. Reading the Bible. Stopped over in Germany or somewhere but came from Holland. Now he's back. Hungry to know more about God. He said he sat down by a lady and her husband choir begin to sing the songs of Zion. He said, man, I love it to hear the praise of God. Oh, I was having the time of my life. Didn't know quite how to worship, but boy, they were worshiping. They were praising Him. The songs and lyrics were so beautiful. Amen. He said, he said the preacher came out and they received the offering, had a beautiful solo then the preacher preached for about 15 minutes. And, and then uh, they were making the closing. The whole thing was over. And he said he looked over at the lady next to him. And he said, when do we do the stuff? 
She said, what stuff? He said, you know, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. She was very honest and forthright. She said, we don't do the stuff, we just sing about it. Where's the stuff? If God is here, if Christ is here, if the Holy Spirit is within us, the gospel did not come in word only. But the Bible said it came in power. And it's not just the anointing on the preacher. It's the manifest presence of God confirming the word. That's why it had such import. That's why it had such impact. Right now, the only proof we have of the resurrection is to go to where there may have been his tomb. In Jerusalem and look in it in it so he's resurrected that's not how they preach the resurrection in the New Testament because the lie had already been hatched the, 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 the soldiers that were guarding the tomb the angel of the Lord came they fell like dead men and when they told what truly had happened they were told to give a different story Right now we're talking about the fake news reports. Well, the fake news report, the devil had to lie to try to keep the impact of the resurrection and the power of it from being made known and manifest. And that means Jesus being qualified as the Messiah. They said, tell everybody that his disciples came and overcame you and stole his body. And you know what happened in the early church? There was a man sitting begging. They're preaching the gospel in the temple that they had built to worship Christ in. And here here comes Peter and John going on their way to church. And a lame man sitting there that never had walked. (laughs) He's begging. The only way he could get food was to beg. And Peter walks up to him. He, He had already given everything he had. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have... Give I thee. And taking him by the hand and lifting him up while he said, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he ran, he went into the temple, running and leaping and praising God. And when that occurred, suddenly, not the political leaders this time, but the religious leaders. When the church is dead and has to subsidize the presence and power of God with every kind of entertaining program in the world to captivate their people's attention and get them to come out. And God starts moving somewhere. They're going to criticize it with everything they have. You get it in the neck. There's never been a revival without dead churches criticizing the one that's having the revival. I was healed in a criticized, ostracized church of leukemia. Eight years old, seven going on eight. I was healed of leukemia in a church that was part of a denomination that had kicked them out of the denomination. Criticized them and told people don't support it and don't go to it. That's where I was healed of leukemia. 
I'm so glad they kicked him out. I'm so glad they ostracized and distanced themselves from them. Because nothing was happening. Nothing. And you know why they kicked them out? Because they were part of a denomination. And an evangelist came and preached. And people got saved. And people got healed. And people got filled with the Holy Spirit. And people saw that God was moving. And they began to leave their Sunday night service to go to that Sunday night meeting. And the other pastor said, they are dividing us. They are No, they were trying to get everybody to come together so God could help somebody. If God... Listen, friend of mine... I'm so glad when they took me down for prayer. The prayer of faith was prayed over me. And I'm so glad there was, there was a manifest presence of God in that place. Your, your grandmama and your grandpa attended that church. Your grandma said she was there the night that a little boy, eight years old, dying of leukemia, dying. They, they didn't have bone marrow transplant. We didn't have insurance if they did. Didn't need a bone marrow transplant. Needed a touch from God. You died. They covered him up. His mom and pop kept praying. And others. They covered him up. They were not trying to revive him. They were ready to put him in the cooler. But somebody prayed. Somebody listened. The Lord God of Israel has not changed. The God of Elijah is alive and well. Hallelujah. The question isn't, where is the Lord God of Elijah? The question is, where are the Elijahs of God? That'll prove Him. Trust Him. Recognize that we've been appointed and anointed by Him to preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out devils. Hallelujah. So, so we've got the grandest productions you've ever seen. We've got the best churches you've ever seen. We've got theologically trained ministers that know the Word. But there's no substitute for the power and the presence of Almighty God. No substitute. Some people go to church for the music. You can listen to a choir sing all day long and sing perfectly. And you can get an emotional high from it. But faith does not come by hearing the choir sing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God comes with God's anointing on it. And it should be delivered in the power of the Holy Spirit. We went into intercession for this young woman. And without anyone laying hands on her, without anyone touching her, I received a phone call and said her mama broke down and cried like a baby. Got down on her knees in her own living room and said, Lord, forgive me for seeking power outside of you. Lord, please deliver my daughter 
from what I have brought her in contact with. Submit yourself unto God. Hallelujah. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The day that she did that in her living room, her daughter sat up in her right mind. Sound in her body. They quit looking for something wrong because they knew ain't, whatever was wrong ain't wrong no more. And we've looked, couldn't find anything. They let her go home the very same day. Amen. Her mama repented to her. Amen. They begin to open the Bible and to keep themselves. Amen. From being exposed to everything spiritual out there and not following the true Spirit of God. When that barrier was removed, when that thing that was in the way, can you say, man, was got out of the way. Amen. Then God was free to move without violating His own spiritual law. Can you say amen? And when we get that thing that's in the way, out of the way, God is free to move. Hallelujah. My ear... My ear's not heavy. I am not aging. I don't get like your pastor. I turn it up (laughs) so I can hear it good. I may preach loud because I can't hear what you're hearing probably. I have 12 years of bivocational standing by machines without earplugs in a production plant. It it has taken its toll. Not to mention the 70 long years that my old eardrums have been beaten in there. Can you say amen? But I want you to know something. I've watched these things get moved out of the way. And when we get into true repentance and we really want to be right with God, submit yourself unto the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Listen, listen. My my hand is not short that it cannot save. Can you say? That's what he told ancient Israel. Because they're complaining because God isn't helping them. Where is God? We're going through all of our religiosity. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? My hand is... Is not short that it cannot save. My ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Your sin has separated between you and your God. When that issue is settled between us and Him, there's nothing in the way. There's nothing in the way. The devil can't stop Him. Amen. Demons can't stop Him. Disease can't stop Him. He's got a name that's above every name that is named. Angels won't stop Him. Can you say, man, demons can't stop Him. Circumstances can't hold Him back. For there's nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. The devil's on a leash. He's tethered. If you don't give him place, he can't hurt you. He can't harm me. The devil well knows it. He's got one avenue. Get Israel wrong with God. Get them violating his law. Get them walking in disobedience. Keep them from repenting at all costs. Hallelujah. Because if they draw near to Him, He'll draw near to them. If they confess their sin, He'll forgive their sin. And if sin isn't between them and Him, His hand is not short that it cannot touch. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the cross, our sins of the past have been nailed to it. Praise God. God, your past is gone and you were made right with God. So right with God, He could live in you. 
But there's sins that we need to deal with in our daily fleshly life. And if we say, which we do in most churches every single Sunday, we have no sin. How do you know we would say anything like that? Because no one ever gets in an altar and repents. It's just warm. I'm not going to talk much longer. But I'm gonna be... But if I'm going to wrestle with the devil for these last five minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get loose. Congregations, preachers see no need to repent. If I repent publicly, they're going to not look at me as holy as they should hold me in esteem. Honey, if you're going to be an example to the flock, there's times when they need to see you in an altar. Because if we say we have no sin, we're lying. We're not being honest. We're disingenuous. We're not transparent. And one thing God looks for is truth in the inward parts. He's a God of truth. So why do we play this game with Him? If we say we have no sin, I've told you a hundred times, I've pastored for 43 years. There was a lady actually when we were in Sulphur Springs at that two-story church. After the service, I mean, she judged everybody. She was like the lady that came to a pastor and said, Pastor, I criticized you. I criticized the brethren. I criticized my sisters. I criticized the church in general. And my tongue is, I, I'm so convicted. I, I want to, I've come forward this morning to apologize and put my tongue on the altar. They had a big church with long altars on both sides. He wasn't gracious that morning because he knew what she had done. And he said, ma'am, I don't believe it's long enough. Amen. <laughs> but you can repent and get right with God. Amen. But I remember preaching one of those sermons like I'm preaching right now. And a lady coming up to me. She looked at the congregation, looked at me and said, Pastor, thank you for that message. You really told them this morning. That's why Jesus said to Laodicea, anoint your eyes with eye salve so you can see. See what? Everybody else is glaring sin? No, so you can see yourself as God sees you. Because thou sayest, because of this blindness to your own need, thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But I say you're poor, miserable, blind, and naked. Seek of me gold tried in the fire that you might be rich and white raiment that you might be clothed that the shame of your nakedness not appear. Hallelujah. And anoint your eyes with eyes have so you can see your true condition. Until the church in America repents of our sins of omission and commission, we will never see revival no matter how many anointed, gifted men and women come on the scene. Because ultimately it comes down to a matter of the heart. When a man's ways please the Lord. Hallelujah. He's even able to make his enemies be at peace with him. Does that mean 
that the devil's going to like you and the devil's going to quit bugging you. No, it means that he realizes. Now, you've got to get the same realization. If God is for them, there's no way I can destroy them. Because God will defend them. God will defend them. God Himself will defend them. The name of the Lord God of Israel, defend thee. And when Israel's right with God, you better not mess with them. He'll send an angel. He'll send fire out of heaven. He will send hailstones down on you. He will cause an earthquake to open up and swallow an army. If God be for you, they'll come out against you one way. They'll flee before you seven ways. They'll come to do you harm. They'll end up running for their life. Can you say, man, if God be for you, can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I want to be right with God. I was in a meeting in Atlanta, and I wasn't there to preach. I was there to listen and learn and obey. I had been through nervous exhaustion. I needed a miracle. Or I didn't see how I could keep preaching or providing for my family or anything else. I was a sick puppy. Anxiety attacks. Couldn't breathe. I said, Lord, how would I get in this pickle? How would I get in this mess? Preacher preached a simple message. And he called the preachers in the audience. He said, before anyone else comes down, he said, I want the ministers here that feel a need. You have a need, but you have a greater need to get back where you were with God and be sure you're right with God. I want you to come first. That was an amazing altar call to call the because there was about 60 to 100 ministers in that meeting. And the first thing that happened was, as we began to go down, you could feel the presence of God the favor of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and then the power of God. But we didn't get on our knees, Brother Hobb. We didn't stand to have mantles transferred to us in our pomp and ceremony. We didn't stand in the strength of some title that we had earned or been granted us. At the foot of the cross, there's no apostle, there's no prophet, there's no bishop, there's no elder. At the foot of the cross, there's no bond, there's no free, there's no rich, there's no poor, there's no black, white, red, or yellow. The cross, everyone becomes colorblind and culture blind. Can you say, man? There's not even a male or female, it's not even about gender anymore. We're one in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And the presence of God was so revered that no one stood for prayer and no one knelt to pray. Everyone without exception. As I went down to prostrate myself to lay on my face toward before the Lord, I looked around and saw all those ministers laying on their face, face down before God. And I said, Lord... I don't know when you're going to touch me. I don't know when you're going to deliver me. But this one thing I know, when I get up from here, there's nothing in my heart 
that would keep you from doing it in your time and when you're ready and I won't quit seeking you till it comes. The devil will not prevail over me. It was like a light at the end of the tunnel and it wasn't a freight train. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. It was hope in my heart. Sister Dale, God is going to put... You've been, you've been in that tunnel. And that light wasn't no freight train, was it? It was God saying, hold on, darling. Hold on, sweetheart. Hold on, my daughter. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm still on the throne. I'm still hopelessly in love with you. I will not let you go. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 And you know it didn't come in an instant that time like the healing from the cancer. This came in a process, hallelujah, where God took me through the valley, taught me not to fear the valley, taught me to recognize Him in the valley, and to know that He would bring me out of the valley. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I love Him for that grace and that tender mercy. So they told Him, don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus Christ. Practice your religion all you want. Do not preach in His name. And they would have killed Him on the spot. But they feared the people because they could not deny that a notable miracle had been wrought upon the lame man. It came with power. You say, well, we got the Bible. We don't need the power. Honey, the God of the Bible hasn't changed. And as I see it as we close today, there is a sense that the Christian faith that is powerless, that Christians are living no different than the people without God and without hope in this old fallen world. That it will be relegated to just another man-made religious system. So pick your road to God. One is as good as the other. Because there are many gods and all roads lead. Or there's one God and all roads lead to Him. Or there are many gods. Pick the one you want. It all ends up to the same thing. Allah and Christ is the same. That's baloney. You ought to bring mustard and bread to that kind of meeting. It's phony. It's a lie. Amen. There's one true and living God and there's one mediator between God and man. Can you say, man, and His name is Jesus. And there's only one name given under heaven by which men must be saved. And that's the name of Jesus. And that's why they said, keep on preaching religion. Keep on preaching dogma. Preach your, keep on preaching your doctrine, but don't you ever do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Can you say, man? They, they told them and they threatened them unto death. In Acts chapter 4. And they went back to the rest of the people. The Christians. And they said. Lord. Behold their threatening. You. They acknowledge his sovereignty and his power. They said you have allowed Herod to do certain things. You have allowed this one to come up. And that one to go down. But you were in control all of the time. Now look what they're saying. Behold their threatening. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word by giving us such a powerful anointing. No, by stretching forth thine hand to heal 
and that signs and wonders occur in the mighty name of Jesus. And when they had prayed like that, the place they, wherein they were gathered was shaken by the power of God. And with great and with boldness they did speak the word. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Everybody say great power. It wasn't a pilgrimage to the empty tomb. It was the manifest presence of God. Hallelujah. That gave proof of the resurrection. So I don't want victory today so I can watch TV without pain. I want to bear witness to the resurrection. I don't want to try to compete with other religious systems. There's no competition. Let the God who answers by fire be declared the true and the living God. Because they have eyes, can't see. They have ears and can't answer your prayer. They got arms, but they can't reach down and hold you. And they can't help you. But our God's eyes are on the righteous. Somebody say glory. His eyes are on just anybody. No, those that are right with Him. Hallelujah. His eyes are on the right, not the sinlessly perfect, but the people who say, I have arguments with the devil. I have problems with my weak flesh, but I don't have any problem with Jesus being the Lord of my life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 He is Lord. And He isn't just Lord. He's my Lord. Hallelujah. My Adonai. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo. When a man's ways please the Lord, he's even able to make his enemies be at peace with him. In other words, they know if you go to war with him, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose big time. So you better find some way to get along with him because you sure can't go to war with him and win. Can you say, man? And when we get this stuff out of the way that holds back the mighty power and manifest presence of God and we quit trying to subsidize what Jesus did at the cross with every kind of program in the world to entertain, And when people see the church rise up in victory and joy instead of depression and defeat. Believe me, it'll impress this old fallen world. It's impressive when you see someone that is telling you, look what our God has done. And you say, man, look what He is doing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, this little preacher has been healed of leukemia. And ever since that happened, I've been a symbol of hope to people that have been given up. Because God is still on the throne. So the devil says, well, I'll kill him with something else. So I'd never been in a hospital until I was in my mid-60s with a bad stroke. And everybody begin to pray to a God who has eyes that see, ears that hear, and hands that touch. And because of everybody praying, God did a miracle. 
not only will we pray in here, but a, a big Assembly of God church in Alabama where my, my aunt on my wife's side, my auntie, goes to church. Aunt Janelle. I crush when I was young. Aunt Janelle, she's 16, I'm 13. She's taller than me. Don't make no difference. got saved in church she stood up on that that in their midweek service and she said she, or whenever it was she called the prayer group she said pray they had a special prayer meeting at church they were praying anyway they brought me into that all of y'all were praying those preachers i meet with were praying three days three days the guy we're dealing with the liaison when i told him what had happened to me he said, there's something about three days, isn't there? There's something about three days. He attends that church right on the corner. So he's a Christian. He understands me. I understand him. And that's who we're working with for this property right now. He's a good, godly man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Third day. Middle of the third day. MRIs. Checking all of everything. But now I'm healed I'm healthy, I'm strong, my speech has not been impaired. And somebody say, don't we know it? Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm not talking about four years later. I'm talking about I got out of the hospital in the middle of the week and I came here on Sunday morning and preached the gospel. And I didn't get weak. I didn't pop a blood vessel. In my forehead. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I didn't even shorten the service. Don't we know it? Come on, church. Help me preach. Don't we know it? Can you say, man? I was so full of joy for God raising me up. This ain't no time to cut it. This ain't no time to edit it. This ain't no time to calm down. This is a time to stand up and declare our God is the true and living God. And Jesus is raised from the dead. And there's power in His name. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! I hate to see Christians defrauded out of what God has provided for them. I hate to see depression. I hate to see defeat. I hate to see division. I hate to see the devil, amen, taking from us what is ours in Christ. So I guard my faith. If someone wants to just preach a political message, I ain't got time to listen to it. Don't mean we... Don't get involved in politics, but we better be more involved in spiritual things. Hallelujah. Our focus has to be on Christ for this nation. Christ. Hallelujah. For whoever's in office. A revival in America. A revival in our homes. A revival in our churches. Hallelujah. 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 So I bounded to my heart. I said, Lord, I will not eat a meal. That I don't pray. Behold the threat. You go to a big church that used to have the fire of God in it. And there's so many things to subsidize it. So many entertaining programs because there's no presence. You see choirs singing without one tear while they sing Amazing Grace. No move of God. No, no, nothing but the show. People walk in. And go through the motions and walk out. 
Christian marriages fail as often as anybody that the devil is ruling and controlling in the world. Something is wrong and church can't solve it without the presence of God. Amen. We pray for the sick and we're shocked if they get healed. Shocked. And I'm glad. We ought to be, man, it ought to be something. The stuff ought to happen from time to time. So God raised me up on the third day going down on the elevator. Nurse says, I work with this every day. You're a miracle. With what you came out with and you walking out of here after two and a half days on that third day, walking out, nothing wrong with you. No, no. People have to go through a year of vocational, I mean, rehabilitation after some of these things. God so completely healed me. Y'all came to visit me. Brother Taylor came back and said, he's going to be just fine. He quoting scripture. Can you say, man, hallelujah. You don't have to worry about him. We went to see him. He quoting scripture. Laying in that bed quoting the scripture. Hallelujah. The abundance of the heart. I'm so glad when the pressure's on, that's what comes out. When the devil squeezes me, God's truth comes out. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Woo! So I'm a living, breathing. I may go home next week, but it'll be time. It won't be because the devil did something. Because I want to be right with God. Hallelujah. I want God to be for me. Praise God. I want God to be for you. I want God to be for us. That the psalm can be fulfilled. The name of the Lord God of Israel. Defend you. Everything that he's revealed himself to be. Is ours in Christ. And there's a shield of faith. That can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So if you are happy with yourself. Where you are as you are. And you don't see any need. Amen. To seek and get any closer to God. And become more sensitive and obedient. You're a hindrance to revival. You're a hindrance to revival. As you see yourself as the judge of everyone else, but you never truly judge yourself honestly, you're a hindrance to revival. If you have to promote yourself by promoting your title or your calling, and I meet them all the time. I meet the super spirits. I have met the most super. Everybody ought to have on a blue jumpsuit with a big red S on it. I've met the super Christians. The super saints. Amen. Haven't you? I work. Sometimes I'm speaking to 60 ministers. That's a tough bunch. Amen. I'm so glad for you guys. There might be somebody here say, I needed that. Most, you know, most ministers know it all. Rich and increased the goods, I have needed nothing. You see the building we just built and the car I drive and the congregation that comes to hear me preach? You, you think I need something? You need what I got, son. I'm not picking on Catholics. But one of the richest churches in the world is the Roman Catholic Church. 
years ago, a high-ranking cardinal was standing on the steps of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. At that time, this is turn of the century, they were bringing literally trunks of offerings in from all the worldwide parishes. And that cardinal was standing by a young monk who'd been reading the Bible for himself. And he saw what that guy that was in that rock band saw. He saw a God that's so much bigger and better than all of the religious trappings. And he turned to, to this cardinal and he said, or the cardinal rather, saw him and was been watching him and he knew he was kind of getting out of line. And he said to him, the time is long past since we could say silver and gold have I none. Glorying and relishing in all those riches. And that young monk looked up at him and said, Yeah, and the time's also passed when we could say such as I have give I thee. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Don't matter what the title is, we need Jesus. And we need the Jesus that God raised up from the dead in the same power that He raised Him in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And when the Gospel comes in power, people are going to be convicted of their sin. When the Gospel comes in power, people are going to be delivered from the chains that bind them. For the anointing breaks every yoke. Can you say man? Hallelujah! And God wants to restore that. And only we can hinder it. Because His hand is not short that it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. And when Israel got right with God, you better back off. God jumped down between them and anybody that came against them. Because they were being oppressed by enemies. And when they got back right with God, here's what He said. Where? is the fury of the oppressor. He stood between them and every enemy. And he literally made the statement in Scripture, you're so afraid of the fury of the enemies that threaten you? I'm standing here in front of you. And I'm saying, where is the fury of the oppressor? Don't you brag on the devil when you're right with me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's up to the task. Jesus has not changed. Brother, would you come and let's, let's worship before we go home today. Hallelujah. 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 I feel like a camp meeting preacher. I don't feel like a... You know what I'm saying? I believe a mantle. Who was the preacher just went home? Who was the preacher just went home though? Your former pastor. Brother Larkin used to shout, preach... He sung, he shouted, he preached, he run into his 80s. 88. Glory to God. i got a mile or two left in me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Look what the Lord can do. Praise God. When Elijah went up, he took off his cloak. He dropped it as he went up in the chariot. And Elisha was there to catch it. Hallelujah. He took it in his hand and walked over to the river. Getting ready to go over to the other side. He's got a mantle, but you've got to use it by faith. 
He smote the waters, and the waters parted. And he cried, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Can you say, man, you took the man, but you didn't take the mantle of anointing. You look for another man to receive it. Can you say, man, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My grandpa, my wife's grandpa, my, my parents' pastor, coal miner, hard living, hard drinking, inebriated one day with his arm hanging out the window of his car. Car sideswiped him, took his arm off. He didn't even know his arm was gone until he tried to open his door and realized there's no arm here. They stopped the bleeding, saved his life. He just had one arm and he preached and read the Bible and would shake the Bible as he preached with that one good arm, praising and glorifying God. Amen. When he was passing, I laid my head on his chest and I held him and I prayed for him and with him. Not at the moment of death, but just before he went home to be with the Lord. Got in our little service in a little church after the funeral. And my wife's praying, Grandma, his wife, Mamma, Mamma Hall, she come up to me. She had stammering lips. Have anybody seen anybody with stammering lips? They can't hardly say anything. God's got a hold of them, and they just, just can't hardly talk. She come up with and I knew that's the anointing. Here, God, God, so I just I submit myself. I come, somebody come at me like that, I go like this. Amen. I know about a mantle. Come on, I'm serious. I know. Come on, you, you, come on, come on, Dave. We, we remember when God used to come down and God used to do things. We expected something when we went to church. It was an electrical feeling in the air. You went in, it was like static electricity. God's gonna show up and God's gonna show out. Hallelujah. She laid hands on me and she said, Bobby. Bobby, I feel like Corbin's mantle is coming on you. And then, boy, the Spirit of God hit her, and she shouted all over that church. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I thought, Lord, have mercy. Give me some more. <laughs> I want some more. My uncle preached for 20 years with a prestigious Pentecostal organization, backslid. Got messed up as he could get messed up. Came back to Christ on a Wednesday night, 10th and Sitka. Little bitty crowd, but we were faithful in the pulpit. He heard a message having preached his whole life, but it went from his head to his heart. He got right with God. And God restored him. Hallelujah. Listen, we came out. I, t I went and got him. We went together to a full gospel businessmen's meeting. After the meeting, we walked out to the car. Spirit of God came on him, came on me, came on us. He stood there with me in front of my car. He reached over, put his hand on my head. He said, I don't know if I'll ever preach the gospel again, but I'm going to live the gospel till I die. And he said, the anointing, the mantle that was on me to preach, he said, oh, Bobby, I believe it's going to fall right on you. And here I come again. <laughs>
Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I begin to get it before I could biblically substantiate it. God takes His servants, but He wants His anointing to stay right here. He wants His powerful work to go forward under that anointing. He takes men and women. He does not take mantles. Mantles stay here in the earth because the Holy Spirit has come to abide. Can you say man? Glory be to God. And we teach people to get all kinds of theological degrees, but they don't know a lot about the mantle of power and presence. And without it, we are operating against a powerful devil without the power of a powerful God. And we're not going to win until we get the power back in manifestation and the power back moving again. Can you say man? No one is so eloquent and theologically trained to take the place of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm pursuing power with God more than anything in my life. And I want to represent it. I want to represent it. And I want to represent Him. Today, if there's any yokes in your life, I pray it be broken. And I pray you do something. Wherever you decide to submit yourself to ministry, make sure that they're bringing you a message that is going to challenge you in your faith, that is going to challenge you to believe God and trust God so that you can have victory in your life and be a living, breathing representation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that our God is the true and the living God. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give Him praise. Would you stand to your feet? Are you glad you came today?